0: following podcast is not designed to provide legal or HR advice, but is intended to provide a general overview of the topic. Hi, I'm Christine Porath, a management professor at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business. I study how to create respectful workplaces where people can thrive. And I'm here with Steve Robbins, co-founder of Spark Healthcare, a healthcare communications company based in Brooklyn, New York. And we have Kara Barton, a clinical social worker at the Keck Medical Center of University of Southern California and the Department of Neurology here on the phone. Uh, Steve, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: Yeah, happy to. Uh, thanks for the invite today. It's great to be here, Christine. Uh, Spark Healthcare is a public health company. We create educational programs in chronic diseases where we see unmet areas of need. Um, in March of this year, as you may be aware, uh, there was an article in the Medical Journal called Neurology about multiple sclerosis. and the uh, headline was that MS has been uh, underdiagnosed significantly. There are almost a million people walking around in the U.S. with MS, and we thought that before the numbers were around 400,000. So wow. there is a substantially higher prevalence uh, than we've been aware of for the past uh, uh, 30 years or so. Interestingly, MS is a disease that really impacts folks at the prime of their lives, uh, in their uh, 20s to 40s is a typical diagnosis. Um, here again at the, at the prime point of their career.
0: Well, great. Well, thank you. And Cara, can yeah. you tell us a little bit of all of the wonderful work that you're doing uh, counseling people on this as well as caregivers and your experiences with that?
2: Sure. Thank you so much for including me. This is really exciting to look at the other side of, of the situation from a corporate perspective. I work with patients who have chronic illness neurological conditions, and one of those groups is people with MS.
0: And so, Kara, one of the things I was really curious about is the idea of what do we mean when we talk about accommodations in the workplace? What does that look like?
2: Well, an accommodation refers to modifying the typical work environment in a manner that helps a person with a particular disability to remain as productive as possible in the workplace.
0: Okay. And can you give an example or two of what these workplace modifications or accommodations might look like?
2: Sure. Uh, accommodations can take many forms, and they might include something as simple as uh, providing a trackball mouse for someone who's a salaried office worker who has challenges manipulating a traditional mouse or relocating mm-hmm. an employee with MS who has difficulty walking mm-hmm. to an office that's closer to the restroom. For an hourly worker, that might mean a modified work schedule to accommodate medical appointments or job sharing or at a, having them work at a time where they have the most energy and can be the most productive. Okay.
0: So are people with MS by definition disabled and therefore automatically entitled to accommodations
2: in the workplace or not? There's so many keywords in there, disabled, (laughs) automatic, entitled, Um, no, (laughs) there's nothing automatic or um, broad about saying that somebody with MS is definitely disabled. Um, Okay. So much about having MS is invisible to the naked eye. And so it's really um, about the, the person themselves yeah. who feels that something's going on in their body um, and whether they feel like they need to, to have a change and accommodation in order to stay in the workplace. And um, they're protected by the Americans with Disabilities Act that's usually called
1: the ADA. Just curious, Kara, uh, when an employee becomes uh, or gets a diagnosis for MS, is it common to be able to go to your employer uh, on their website or uh, in the ha- in the employee handbook or during orientation and get a sense for what the accommodations might be that are available to you so you don't have to disclose the disease perhaps uh, for those folks who are uncomfortable doing so?
2: Each environment, workplace environment, has different uh, protocol and so that would be up to each employee to understand the nature of their own work environment and for the uh, corporations or employers to consider what they want to present to their employees to make an environment um, more user friendly for people who have uh, MS and invisible disabilities, whether they want to feel safe allowing their employees to disclose. uh, That would be Mm -hmm. a a personal decision for each environment.
0: So what should an employer or HR professional do if they suspect that there may have an employee with MS?
2: Well, um... The main thing an employer can do um, is to create an environment uh, or a corporate culture in which people feel comfortable discussing health-related issues and other important topics that are misperceived misper- as being sort of taboo in the workplace. But other than that, it's really up to the employee as to whether they want to raise the issue. There are legal reasons why an employer shouldn't bring it up themselves, suspecting things or you know hearing through the grapevine that something's going on. Uh, The question is really up to the person with the diagnosis of MS to speak to the employer. And a lot of people are scared about that because they know that their livelihood is is on the line.
1: Yeah, I've I've heard this. The opposite uh, is also true. I I should say the the employer side has a similar concern. A a personal friend is a a very senior HR person. Uh, She's the SVP of global talent for a Uh, a corporation, which I won't name, but there are 40,000 employees. And she mentioned to me on this topic that she is reticent to make any comment uh, to an employee if they sneeze in a meeting or if they look somewhat pale for fear of that coming back around somehow in a litigious situation where that employee may have felt discriminated against. So this topic of health seems to be taboo, uh, both on the HR side of the house, as well as uh, with employees, which is very unfortunate. It creates a uh, Uh, a culture of uh, uh, fear or secrecy, which it sounds like is very counterproductive around public health.
0: And again, for all and regardless of whether employees have chronic illnesses or not, it benefits leaders and managers to Mm -hmm. really try to create this safe space. And, you know, the interesting thing from my perspective is a lot of times this amounts to very small actions (laughs) that leaders and managers take. You know, they, they come across as really valuing someone. Uh, By saying hello, by asking how they're doing, uh, by smiling, Mm -hmm. you know, by uh, how can I help? Just generally, you know, not anything specific. And so I think that that's really what we want to coach managers and leaders on, is to care about these touch points that don't take too long throughout their day. And just to be more mindful.
1: Right, little things. Yeah, little things go a long way. Sure.
0: So, and Kara, you know, you obviously coach these folks a lot. Are there some specifics that you recommend on the employee or the HR side of things that would help create this safe space?
2: It's really important for people to assess the environment that they work in. And so a corporation really has an opportunity to introduce the climate and the um, context to the, the new employees. So when people mm-hmm. enter an environment, they learn what the setting is. And so there's an opportunity there to say, you know, this is what we encourage people to do and what are the healthy ways that people can be in the workplace. And if people um, are modeling healthy behavior, the employers are going to follow suit.
0: Yeah, I love that idea. Managers really need to walk the talk. (laughs) I think people become very cynical and skeptical if it's a value to respect people, and yet they don't see people living those values, especially at the top of the organization. Because, you know, Steve mentioned this stuff ripples in organizations and then outside of them. And so uh, small actions matter more than we might think.
1: And respect is a huge deal. We were talking before the podcast about that point from your research, that that may be the top... Uh, what, what was the, the top desired uh, uh, characteristic or attribute in, a, in an organization for employees to feel respected. So,
0: Yeah, it was the number one thing that affected a range of outcomes. So a leader's valuing people and respecting them was more important to people than even things like recognition, appreciation, learning and development, even useful feedback. And so people really have this desperate need mm-hmm. to feel valued uh, and to feel a sense of connection. And when that's not there, people tend to feel isolated uh, they don't feel like they belong to a team, and, and therefore they will not bring their best. And again, this applies for anyone, not right, just right. people with chronic illnesses. Sure, sure. Okay, so once the request for reasonable accommodations is made by an employee, are employees obligated to make them a reality? Well,
2: Title One of the ADA, the um, Americans with Disability Act, is the section that, re- that covers employment, and one of the key non-discrimination requirements of this section is the obligation of the employers with more than 15 employees to provide reasonable accom- accommodations for disabled employees. However, the ADA stops short of providing a summary of any policies or procedures that companies hmm. have to follow, um, which constitutes reasonable reasonable accommodations. So accommodations such as job sharing, telecommuting, Reserved parking spots, relocating an office, et cetera, represent common ways in which employers and employees can work together to achieve an outcome that rep- represents win-win for everyone. And employers are not required to provide accommodations that might be perceived as undue hardship for the company, such okay. as creating a brand-new job profile or for the employee hmm. or undertaking building renovations or furnishing personal need items, mobility aids, glasses, etc.
0: So we're used to talking about the Family Medical Leave Act, and usually it's in the context of a newborn baby where new moms and dads might take some time off. However, there are implications for people with chronic illnesses like MS and those that care for them, correct?
2: Absolutely, and FMLA is not something everybody knows about. So that would be a great thing for an HR department to talk about. Mm. There is paid and unpaid FMLA, and that would be great to have HR departments discuss with employees who
1: who
2: have chronic, who might have chronic illness. They wouldn't know, but also who might have other people in their family who need to care for people um, for people with chronic illness. So the caregiver or the person who is ill themselves might be able to use that time off, and um, that will keep everybody productive and, and on target for the goals at the workplace.
1: Got it. Is, is there any um, rule of thumb, Kara, around how employees should, uh, you mentioned the mix of accommodations, How what that initial ask might look like? Is it uh, smart to or it to ask for one thing or a list of things? How, how do you come to that initial ask or list of uh, accommodations?
2: In our clinic at USC, we often refer to, have our physicians refer to occupational therapy, sometimes known as OT, and those are the professionals who can speak to you specifically about what your job functions are and where the deficits are, where the fatigue might come in or any kind of uh, discomfort or impairment related to your job function and then you can go in the employee can then go into the employer with a very specific ask and say, these are the things that I need. Um and it, it could be time oriented or space oriented or uh
1: temperature too, I understand it can be a big impact or sure colder you know, places. Proximity
2: to to uh the restroom or sure. quiet to be able to focus. So these are different kinds of needs and so it. It um, it really is a conversation mm-hmm. first before going into the employer, and that can help the employee feel more comfortable going in instead of grasping at straws.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just uh, that reminds me of a conversation I had in preparing for today's uh, podcast. A gentleman who uh, is also the head of the HR uh, organization for his uh, employer, uh, one of the household name beverage companies and uh, was talking about the fact that you would be surprised at how many people in the upper echelon of executives in that company Uh, had special accommodations for them for a variety of reasons and several from MS and had been receiving those accommodations for decades.
0: Yeah, I think that's where the best cultures sit is that idea of partnerships and relationships. You know, what we know from research is that those kind of cultures uh, tend to promote (laughs) better productivity, Mm -hmm. uh, more innovation, and certainly, to your point, Steve, like higher retention, right? You're able to keep very talented people Mm -hmm. who are contributing their best. right. And, you know, so one of the questions I have, Kara, is, you know, how can companies train supervisors or HR partners to be real partners in these health-related matters involving their employees or direct reports?
2: Well, it's a really big opportunity for many companies. Um, Often, human resources and other professionals um, feel like they have to avoid the topic, Um, of asking about anything related to someone's health in the workplace for fear that the question or response might be brought up in a legal situation down the road and and employees feel that same way as well. But this lack of openness really can lead to a culture where supervisors are afraid to ask about the welfare of their employees and employees end up living with hiding their health issues which is causing an undue burden on uh, another burden on them to actually hide and and manage and relegate that to their personal life, rather than taking advantage of the um, educational resources and support accommodations that employers can provide. And that said, there are legal considerations that HR professionals and management-level colleagues should be aware of, and there are best practices around ways in which supervisors can appropriately ask whether health-related challenges are getting in the way of an individual's ability to perform in the workplace it makes sense for companies to develop a set of guidelines or a training module that all supervisors can expose Mm -hmm. be be exposed to this kind of topic. Um, In addition to setting the manager up for success, it would help limit the downstream legal liability for the employer.
0: Well, thanks, Kara. Those are great ideas. And Steve and Kara, thanks so much for spending time with us. Thanks for your time today. For those listening, be sure to check out the MS Workspace website at ms-workspace.com. There, you'll find resources that can provide additional support to employees in your organization, as well as a very unique MS Estimator tool that can help give you a sense of the impact MS may be having on your company right now. So visit that MS Workspace website, and thanks again for listening.